This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight we are previewing week two of the NFL Slate 2021. But first, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. If you would like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020. Find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm or follow us on your preferred podcast subscriber on that website. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. All right, let's get right into week two. We are recording this during the Thursday night football game, and Daniel Jones just ran in a touchdown. Who had that on their bingo card? But, E, what are you looking forward to the most this week? I have been looking forward to more football all week long um, since about at least Tuesday. I'm like, all right, let's get to Thursday. Um, But still with everybody still feeling pretty good about their teams, everyone still feels like they have a legitimate chance, which they still do. I mean, it's only been one game, but you also kind of got a feel for what your team is going to be and what you can kind of expect. So um, I'm just looking forward to more football. So, After week one, we always have the huge overreactions, but they are only so-called overreactions if by week two, automatically they're undercut. So if like Green Bay comes out and actually plays like we expect them to play against the Lions on Monday night, it was an overreaction to say that the Packers would go like six and 10 this year. Excuse me. It would be six and 11 this year. Now that we have that 17th game, I'm going to have to get used to that. Like I am the Vegas Raiders or the LA chargers, um, just some weird stuff with the changes in football. But, uh, the other part of it is, is it might start to drive that early nail in the coffin type of feeling. If you go down as an O2 team for a team that was maybe in the playoffs last year, you're going to now set the expectations that you're an underperformer or an underachieving team, particularly given, I don't think any of the O and two teams in the last two years has actually gone on to make the playoffs. So, you know, it, it's one of those where, where does the rubber meet the road? And do we really get, after already two weeks, a feel for what the season's going to be? I think that's where I'm really looking forward to this weekend. That, and I actually get to watch more full football games since last week was kind of abbreviated for you and I due to uh, other circumstances. But uh, let's get to some quick news. We'll just do a quick injury roundup. Uh, Both Raheem Mostert and Jeff Okuda, the corner for the Lions, are out for the season. Mostert elected to have a surgery. He is going to be free agent eligible after this season. So it looks like he may not be back with San Francisco. You can comfortably, especially in redraft leagues, drop him. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has already been ruled out for this week. I would have expected that uh, we would have gotten closer to him playing last week and then getting a tighter up to the window again uh, timetable like we did last weekend, but to rule him out this early in the week, I don't know if that means maybe he's in a setback or what exactly is going on with his knee, but he clearly, despite uh, all the practice reports being that he's healthy, 
just doesn't look like he's going to be seeing the field quite so soon. Yeah, that one's that one's crazy to me, right? Because last week it was kind of like a game time decision, and then this week for them to already rule him out for the week, you have to imagine there's for sure been a setback. But what a story for a player that's so talented um, and just a career too. You got to imagine. You got to start to think like, is OBJ is he on the other side now? Are we ever going to see that type of all pro? super flashy OBJ that we all kind of got used to seeing, but it's really sad, man. It's really sad. And it coincides with him being on my team. The minute I traded for him, his career has just gone down the toilet. <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Uh, also, Jerry Judy, no one is, man. Yeah. Jerry Judy is likely to be out six weeks or more with a high ankle sprain. I don't know if we talked about it the other day, but what looked like it originally could have been a broken ankle that he was out maybe for the entire season. He's going to be a long-term stash if you have the IR spots, but if you don't, it'd be a hard time to hold him on your bench. If you have a limited bench in a redraft setting, that being said, this is a dynasty show. You're just putting him on IR and holding him and hoping that he comes back and he's right and he's healthy, but those high ankle sprains, especially for wide receivers have been killer. Yeah, you kind of got to imagine that the rest of his season is not going to live up to what you kind of expected. Yeah, he'll be back, but at what percentage will he be back? And then you got to imagine, too, how severe was it moving forward for a guy that really makes all his money with his ability to move his feet with as quick as his feet is, as quick as his feet are, and um, just his ability to run super precise routes. Um, this is This is a killer. If he does come back and he is productive, and I would caution people around the time that he may or may not step back onto the field, the Denver Broncos have a really favorable playoff schedule. And if for whatever reason, Cortland Sutton isn't emerging after his knee injury as well, and he only saw one catch for 14 yards on three targets last week, maybe it's entirely possible that he steps right back into the role that he had and becomes a superstar for your playoffs that you could pick up off of waivers because somebody else had to drop him early on in the season. It's just something to keep in the back of your mind for the next six, seven weeks until we get to that point, but just something to keep, you know, in the back of your mind here. And finally, Ryan Fitzpatrick is likely to be out at least eight weeks. He did, I guess there was an announcement today. He's going to elect not to do the surgery So he's going to just need rest and rehab. Had he elected to do the surgery, I think he would have been out for the entire season. He's probably going to be playing with some pain, but we are going to see the Tyler Heineke show for at least about eight weeks, if not more. And most people have thought that Washington could win that division. They don't feel too terribly with Taylor Heineke in there, but what does this say about Washington's outlook in a situation, particularly for Terry McLaurin, where we had upgraded his potential based on, Ryan Fitzpatrick being there this year. Absolutely. That's what we did. We were very high on him because of the acquisition of Ryan Fitzpatrick, somebody that could really push the ball down the field. I don't know. We don't know a lot about Heineke. Yeah. We've seen him play a game. He was very poised in that game that he did play, but there's a lot of unknowns now. And that sucks because you really thought this was going to be a huge breakout year for scary Terry and you know, you hope it kind of works out for him, but the domino effect of injuries and in fantasy is really just something so bizarre that it can get frustrating at times. Yeah, I don't know if I'm 
downgrading too far McLaurin or Logan Thomas, but I probably am not even making any dents in the Antonio Gibson lottery. I mean, they're still going to run the football and realistically both McKissick and Gibson should probably see an uptick in work because of the checkdowns that you're likely to get from backup quarterbacks. I know that McLaurin has put up numbers despite his quarterback so far in his career. So there's still hope that he's going to be good. I just don't know if he's going to have the potential top 10 finish that some people were expecting going into this year as a result of not having a more consistent, better deep ball thrower that uh, Fitzpatrick was hoping to be for this team. All right, so let's move to our game of the week. I think Chiefs-Ravens is a little too obvious on Sunday night. So give me another game that you're looking forward to this week and going to be paying attention to the most. For me, and I don't know, maybe it's going to come off that I'm like an Eagles fan for some reason because I feel like I picked the Eagles a lot. Um, But I'm going San Francisco uh, versus Philadelphia. I think it's just two teams that are really still – trying to figure out who they are. And I think I'm still trying to figure out who they are. Is Philadelphia the real deal? Is Jalen Hurts the real deal? Are those wide receivers the real deal? And is San Francisco really going to be one of those teams that's going to finish towards the top of the NFC? Um, So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to in that matchup. Two weeks ago, I would have thought this would have been a blowout for San Francisco. At this point in time where I'm sitting right now, I think the Eagles have a good shot, if not should outright win this game. So that's an interesting one to watch because I think it could be two potential playoff teams uh, as we sit right now, which I would not have said even a week ago, let alone two weeks ago. But uh, the game I have my eye on, just because I think it's going to be one of the more fun and entertaining ones, uh, Justin Herbert and Dak Prescott going up against each other in L.A. I just think there's going to be a ton of points. There's going to be a ton of fantasy points. I want every part of that game. I think it's going to be pretty close to what we got with uh, Dallas and Tampa Bay last week. And it's just going to be going up and down the field. Hopefully we get some big plays and uh, a bunch of guys just scoring all over the place. I think that's going to be an entertaining one. All right. Upset of the week. I actually, and that was my upset pick was the Eagles over the 49ers. Uh, Did you have one? Yeah, I I didn't really read your upset until I picked my game of the week because it was going to be my upset as well. I really also believe the Eagles can uh, pull that game out against San Francisco. Uh, But for me, and I do think that this isn't really too much of an upset if it happens, and I kind of think the line gets closer to even come game time. Um, But I have Cincinnati against the Bears. I have Cincinnati winning in Chicago. I don't think Chicago really is all that good. Um, I do think that if I'm Chicago, I put Justin Fields in there because I'm already done with the Andy Dalton experiment. But for me, I I think the Bengals offense is for real, right? I think Joe Burrow is a very good quarterback. I think he has very good wide receivers. And Joe Mixon, if healthy, is one of the better running backs in the league. So I'm going Cincinnati against uh, beating up at Chicago. I'm going to give you an added bonus here on this one. And this is only on the betting line. I'm not picking them to win outright, but the Packers are giving 11 points at home to a Detroit lions team that looked feisty last week and against a listless Packers team last weekend. That's a lot of points to be giving up. I think the lions keep it closer. I don't think they win the game, but that could easily be a one score game or at least single digits enough to get you your underdog win. If you wanted to take the lions on the points. Yeah, I think right now it's at 11. Yeah, I think so too. Packers by 11. All right, so let's move to start sit. I have a list of players here, and we'll just kind of run through them quickly and uh, see what you think. 
get maybe some uh, different takes if uh, I feel a little bit differently than you. Let's start off in that exact game, the Lions and the Packers. I have Jamal Williams versus Green Bay. I'm looking down this list. These are some hard ones. So, okay, let's start with Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, I don't know. I'm going to go with sit. I do think that the Packers play much, much better against Detroit. I do. I think personally it gets kind of out of hand where the um, running game really isn't going to be a factor for Detroit. So I'm going to go sit. I don't think Jamal Williams is going to be that huge of a factor. Yeah, I have a couple of different choices to make. This is basically my last, last flex spot open on my team roster this week, especially with Ayuk not being a reliable starter. The only other question would be if I put in Cortland Sutton, who has a really good matchup and I think is down the list here. So we'll get to that here in a second, but against Jacksonville. So it's basically which of these two guys, but I really like the way Jamal Williams played last week. And especially because it looks like he may be a top, four wide receiver on this team, essentially between him, Swift and Hawkinson, those might be the top three pass catchers on this team going forward. I didn't see a lot out of anybody else. And especially with Tyrell Williams already being hurt, you know, who's going to be catching the football in this offense. It looked productive last week, especially in the third, fourth quarter when they were making their comeback. But if he catches a lot of balls and we know Jamal Williams is a very capable receiving back, I think he has a lot better value in half PPR and especially PPR full, full PPR settings. All right. Uh, Brandon A versus Philadelphia. Yeah. Speaking of people on this list are people from your team. So I think you're just looking for my advice on who you should start this week, huh? No, I already have my own <laughs> advice, but I figured uh, okay. if I'm making um, these decisions toughly, then somebody else should uh, as well. I understand. Um, Brandon Ayuk. It really seems like Debo Samuel is the clear-cut number one wide receiver in that offense right now. And there is a lot of talk coming out of San Francisco about that Brandon Ayuk really does have to play better. Is this a bounce-back week for him against Philadelphia? I do think it could be. I do think that game is going to be a little higher scoring than we think it's going to be. So I, I can see him scoring a touchdown. I can see him being much more involved in the offense as well, them trying to make a point to get him involved. So I'd say start Brandon Ayuk this week. I think you got to see him at least get a few targets before I'd be comfortable putting him in your lineup. He didn't get a single target last week. And realistically, all of the stuff coming out of their coaching staff right now just doesn't feel great. So I I say sit him uh, until you've seen some productivity. I'll take the one breakout game that he may have just for the reliability of not having another zero on my score sheet like I did last week that cost me a game. Cortland Sutton. Yeah, I'm sorry. So we've kind of already gone through this one. He only had the one target, but he was playing a tough Giants defense, especially at the cornerback position, that he's going to have a much more favorable matchup. You should see him basically get some of the targets that Jerry Judy was getting last week. And, you know, with him not being there, Noah Fant is the only other capable receiver, more or less, that uh, you'd expect. I think he has a potential breakout. I'm just not sure if I want to bet on that happening this week, although it is for my last flex, my last flex position. Yeah, no, I'm going to start Cortland Sutton for a lot of the reasons you just said with Jerry Judy um, being out more specifically as one of them. Also, they're playing Jacksonville. I don't have a lot of faith in that team whatsoever or in that defense. So I am going to go start Cortland Sutton. 
And that may be ending up being my choice because it seems like I think Jamal Williams was listed as questionable today. So he may not have a knock on him, although it is for Monday night. So who knows? But yeah, I I think I may end up going in that territory. Mike Evans versus Atlanta. Mike Evans, I think is going to be one of those guys that's going to be very, very hard to predict week in and week out. I think a couple weeks he's going to explode, but I do think there's going to be a lot of weeks where he has a lot of games that he had this past week, just because Chris Godwin and AB are on his team and they are, it's so much more easy. It's so much easier for them to get open than it is for him just because of the way they, they play the game of football. Uh, so this week against Atlanta, I do think that the, uh, the Falcons are a terrible football team. I th- I think he could have a touchdown. I do, but you know, it's really tough. You kind of think that with the game script, it'll be towards the end of the game. It'll be a lot of running the football. So I'm going to say sit Mike Evans this week, but that's a tough one. I'm going to go the opposite direction. He's traditionally done well against Atlanta. I think last week is one of those games that Mike Evans has occasionally, but this guy was one of the more consistent guys down the fantasy playoffs last year. And I think he's going to probably get in the end zone at least once. He's a guy that you basically have been able to mark for 1,200 yards and almost double-digit touchdowns every season. So this may be no different. And I I think that this is a good matchup. He's still going to be on the field more than Antonio Brown. I think Tom Brady is going to make a point of getting him the football. I say start him this week. Robbie Anderson versus New Orleans. I'm going to go with Sidham. Robbie Anderson had one big play for one very big, long touchdown. I think that's more the Robbie Anderson we know than last year's Robbie Anderson. Completely and 100% agree. I think you got to see where the targets kind of sort out on this team right now, particularly given that McCaffrey's back and is going to siphon off a lot of targets from some of the wide receivers out there. I think until you know for sure, I would probably sit him if you have a better option. Let's go Devin Singletary versus Miami. Um, I haven't seen enough out of Devin Singletary, so I'm going to go sit. I just, the Buffalo Bills are a pass first team. Heavy pass first team. And realistically, he's the second best running back in that backfield at the moment because Josh Allen is probably the best runner that the Bills have. I say sit as well until you see a little bit more productivity. Then we have Marquez Callaway versus Carolina. Someone that had a lot of buzz this offseason and really didn't live up to any of that this past week against the Packers, even with them being as successful as they were on offense. I'm going to go sit them until I see something. Hype doesn't equate um, production. I saw a very heavy set personnel a lot against Green Bay, multiple two tight end splits, and throwing the ball a lot to tight ends and uh, running backs for Jameis Winston. I'm really not seeing anything different this week against a Carolina team that while productive and decent against a Jets football team did allow some points. So I really don't expect much out of him this week. And I definitely wouldn't be starting him either. Ronald Jones versus Atlanta. No, I would sit him until I see something. I still think there's way too many mouths to feed in Tampa Bay. This is a potential deep pull. I think he has a good matchup, but the problem is is that he fumbled once and then was out of the game and got you negative points last week. I agree. Had this been like he even gotten decent touches last week, then maybe I'd feel a lot more comfortable, but I do need to see it a little bit more and see some consistency, get some tread on the tire again, 
so to speak, because, I mean, he was hurt all of the playoffs last year, so most of our memory goes back to Leonard Fournette. I just don't know what the rotation is going to be in that Tampa backfield, so I don't know if he's going to be reliable. I don't think you start him right now, and even against a really good matchup. Mike Davis against Tampa Bay. I think he's another guy you sit. One, I think the Atlanta Falcons are a terrible football team. I think they're going to be down early in this game. I don't think that the run game is going to be too important. Yeah, he may get some garbage time receptions out of the backfield, but I don't think enough to carry your football team to uh, sit. With the amount of volume that Cordero Patterson got at running back last week and the fact that I don't think he's going away, yeah, the volume might be there against Tampa Bay, but you saw what they did against Zeke Elliott and last year against Kamara, against McCaffrey. They have done this to people for the last two years. I don't start running backs going against Tampa Bay unless they're like Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. So I would sit him as well. There's going to be better options out there. I don't care what he's projected for. He's not going to live up to it this week. It's just not happening. Javante Williams against Jacksonville. Not with as good as um, Melvin Gordon did last week. I just don't think it's Javante Williams' time yet. I do think that backfield is his sooner rather than later, but right now I would say sit him. We saw a productive uh, Houston Texans team last week, especially against the run. I don't know if I would be ballsy enough to start him, but I think this is the potential for a Javante Williams breakout game early on in the season. Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins versus the Chicago secondary. Give me all of them. I mean, one of those guys is going to have a really, really big game. I don't think the Bears are very good on the defensive end of the backfield. I just think that since he also comes out and wins this game as well. Yeah, I really didn't think that the Bears secondary held up very well last week against the Rams. They particularly had issues in the slot. And you know that Tyler Boyd's probably going to pick up a bunch of catches that way this week. They ended up going to Jamar Chase a lot more than T. Higgins just because Patrick Peterson was kind of locking down Higgins for a good portion of the game. I really think this is an advantage to the Bengals as far as their passing game, that they're not going to have to run the football. And they showed enough last week that I think overall all three of these guys are playable this week if you have them. I'd start all three of them. Not together on the same team, though. I That would be crazy if you right. had all three of these on your team. But anyway, uh, Eli Mitchell versus Philadelphia. You know, I'm wavering back and forth with this one. I'm not huge buying in on the hype just quite yet. But, you know, he was very, very productive. And I guess you got to give him that until there is someone that stops him. So I could say I can see you starting Eli Mitchell this week if you if you needed him. I could see it as a flex consideration, but he got no passing down work last week. That all went to Jermichael Hasty. The 49ers don't throw to their backs a ton in this offense, and with good reason. They've got a lot of other guys that can run after the catch. So if he's not going to be involved in the passing game, especially from a half-point or full-point PPR standpoint, I don't think he's any better than a flex play. And this is a tough matchup. I don't think the Eagles are porous against the run right now. So I actually think that this is one where he's, he's closer to the sit line than he is the start line, despite his number last week. And the fact that a bunch of people probably spent a bunch trying to pick him up on waivers this week. Uh, Let's go with Darrell Henderson versus Indianapolis. Yeah. I think Darrell Henderson is somebody that you start this week. Uh, We saw that he's going to be a very big part of the, uh, of the Rams offense. 
you know, that's kind of his backfield now. I think he kind of owns it at this point in time. So, yeah, I, I think you start him against the Colts. I would assume most people drafted him as their RB2, so they're probably going to have to start him more or less, especially in a redraft setting. But I thought that Indianapolis gave up enough yards last week against Chris Carson, and he's going to get the volume in order to be productive. I still would like to see him more involved in the passing game for the Rams, but I, I think that you can go up and down the field on Indianapolis as we saw last week, especially with a lot of play action. And the Rams run a very similar set to what the Seahawks are doing right now because they have a new coordinator that actually came from the Rams. So I would imagine that they're going to take a lot of the same scheme set and try and use that this week. Give me Drell Henderson. Uh, CEH versus Baltimore. He's still not there, you know? CEH still just isn't the guy that we kind of expected him to be in that offense. So until I see it, um, he's not really somebody that I'm dying to throw into my lineups. I mean, if you have to uh, flex consideration, yeah, because he's going to get the volume or a decent amount of volume, but nah, for me, uh, he's a set. I wish I could sit him. I, I think if you drafted him, you probably drafted him as one of your top two running backs and you're not going to have too many other great options, which is the problem. But I don't like the matchup. I don't like the way that he looked in week one. I know that he's coming off of a preseason ankle injury, and so maybe they were just slow playing him. But the Kansas City Chiefs still don't give him enough work at the goal line. They're not using him in the passing game. All the reasons that I loved him coming out as a prospect just are not there right now. And so I'm a little bit worried that he's going to end up falling down as far as just running back value into maybe the twenties or thirties by when it's all said and done, which is unfortunate because every year before, maybe the last couple Andy Reed has had productive running backs in his system. And for whatever reason, this just doesn't seem to be a productive fantasy output. Uh, Marquise Brown versus Kansas city. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a start for me. Uh, he had a very good game last week. I forgot who they played, uh, but I know I watched they played a lot of Vegas that on Monday night. Yes. Okay. That was the reason why. And I he actually looked whole, good. He had a lot a of lot targets. Of and he game. looked very good. He looked very good. Um, he looked very quick. He felt like he finally got the full grasp of the offense where he was doing just a lot more reaction and not a lot of thinking. I do think that he can be a very, very good wide receiver in this league. So yeah, he's a start for me. I don't know if I go quite that far just because it's one game but it does seem like he's kind of rounding a corner at the end of last year. He seemed to be better. And this year he kind of picked up where he ended off last year, especially in those last couple of games. And then the playoff game, I thought he was actually playing a lot better, but I still think this is a weird one for me. I want to see it at least one more time before I'm willing to place a bet on it. it I can see it as a spot start. It's just not one that I'm banking on to be really reliable for me. I think he's a lot riskier than a lot of other guys that may be available to you for your redraft. Gerald Everett versus Tennessee. I do think that he could have a sneaky game this week. I do think that he is a very important part of that offense. It's just a tight ends, man. You can't trust him. I'd, I'm kind of done trying to figure out the whole tight end thing because I'm not going to, unless you got one of the top four everyone's kind of the same. So um, yeah, if you got him, he's probably the best one you have. So I would say start him. Yeah. This is a guy that's going to come up for me in a little bit, but I would definitely say start him. I like his 
amount of uh, targets early on. He's being worked into the system. I think he's a valuable and productive tight end. And I know I've said it before, Russell Wilson loves his tight ends. For me, he's a start against a really good matchup in Tennessee that's going to give up a lot of air yards in this one. A.J. Dillon versus Detroit. The Packers are going to do whatever they want against the Detroit Lions. Uh, whatever type of game they want to play. If they want to play a running football game, they can. But I think this is going to be an Aaron Rodgers game. I think Devontae Adams is going to have a couple touchdowns as well. But I think this is going to be a game where Aaron kind of comes out and he's like, all right, everybody shut the frig up. Like, I'm tired of all the noise. And on Monday night against the, against the Lions, that's kind of the perfect place to do it. So AJ Dillon, I do think he's going to be a big part of the offense, but if you have better options, I would start them. This one's tough for me because I could see him very easily having a good game, but can I absolutely rely on it or guarantee it? Probably not. And I do think that Detroit's going to hang around because I think that the Packers defense isn't quite there. So I do think by benefit of this being a high scoring game, he has the potential to finish well. I just don't know if that's something that uh, I would necessarily put in my flex position if I had better options. Tyson Williams versus Kansas City. I think he kind of had his his day last week. I think there's a lot of hands in the pot now in the Ravens in the Ravens backfield. Uh, I see Devontae Freeman just got promoted to the uh, 53-man roster today. So Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman, and now um, – Tyson Williams. Tyson Williams had a better game than Latavius Murray had uh, last week, but Latavius Murray outtouched him. So I just, I don't think he's going to be our James Robinson that we had last year. I just don't think it's going to be him. So I would say sit him because I really do think it's going to be a running back by committee for the rest of the season. Agree 100%. He's also not a pass receiving back in an offense that's not going to give backs a lot of receiving options for me he's a he's a sit because you got to see this thing kind of play itself out and also Kansas City is really good at playing the Ravens and dropping uh, Tyron Matthew into the box and basically taking away a lot of what Baltimore likes to do running the football so I think this is going to be a game where Lamar Jackson is really going to have to beat them with his arm and that means probably a lot less of Tyson Williams all right underrated studs of the week Again, these are guys going outside the top 10 for projections that we think may finish inside the top 10. Who do you have for your quarterback? For my quarterback, I have, oh, sorry. I got to bring my notes up. Uh, for my quarterback, I have Joe Burrow against the Bears. Uh, I've talked about this game already a lot. Um, so just a couple of notes that I have on it. Joe Burrow had two touchdowns, I believe it was, last week against the Vikings. It may have even been three. No, he had two touchdowns last week, and this week he gets the Bears defense, too, that was middle of the road at best last year, and I don't really think they've improved much on that end. Um, he has added targets now with Jamar Chase, a completely healthy Joe Mixon. Right now he's going outside the top 20. I really do think he can finish inside the top 10 this week. I really liked what I saw out of Joe Burrow last week, and I almost went with him. Had this guy that I'm going to nominate now not been on the list or of the potential guys because – Jalen Hurts going against the Eagles, uh, or excuse me, against the 49ers this week with the way that they gave up a lot of points and looked kind of soft, especially in the second half. I actually think that the Eagles could score a bunch this week and his rushing floor 
or excuse me, his rushing is always going to keep his floor high. So just from that standpoint, I think he's going to end up scoring some points again. I don't know if he'll have quite as good a game as he did against Atlanta, which was full and complete, but this is a game where he could easily match, you know, 20, 25 points if uh, he's put in your lineups. Who is your running back of the week? My running back this week is Miles Sanders. Uh, Miles Sanders had over 100 yards from scrimmage last week uh, in the season opener, and now he gets the 49ers in week two. Um, that gave up over 450 yards from scrimmage to the Lions. I think Miles Sanders was involved in the passing game as well in the running game. Um, he looks very, very healthy this year as well as compared to last year. So uh, I'm going to go Miles Sanders. I'm going to go with a guy that we had some doubts about going into week one due to his injury status, but looks like the healthier back on the team as of right now where we sit. And that I think is going to be in a really advantageous matchup come Monday night. I'm going DeAndre Swift. I think I was really impressed with how much they, they used him in the passing game. We know that Anthony Lynn, who used to be the Chargers offensive coordinator slash head coach and play caller, really likes throwing the ball to his running backs. He's a former NFL running back. I think that both Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift are going to get a lot of touches through the air this year, which is going to be extra fantasy points. I think that in this offense, uh, DeAndre Swift could be a top 10 back if he's going to be the lead and he's going to be healthy. So give me him against a really good matchup in the Packers on Monday night. Who is your receiver? I think you're going to like my receiver. Uh, My receiver this week is Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper had 13 receptions. Yeah, I see you shaking your head. 13 receptions last week for about 140 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Now Michael Gallup is hurt. So now he's kind of guaranteed now moving forward to have double-digit targets, and I really do think he's going to be super productive with those targets. Uh, I cannot believe he's going outside the top 10, Amari Cooper. Yeah, I agree there. I just went in a slightly different direction. I really liked what, for that matter, what uh, the Seahawks did in the slot last week against Indianapolis, and Cooper Cup operates a lot out of the slot. Give me him against Indianapolis. This week for the Rams, I think he's going to have a productive game again. And we know that uh, the Rams offense really likes to go to its guys, Cooper Cup being one of them, when they're healthy. So this is a really good matchup for him. I think that he has another big game. Your tight end of the week, sir. My tight end of the week this week is going to be Bobby Tanya. And because I just think the Packers are going to score a lot of points uh, on Monday night. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to throw four, four touchdowns probably. And I think Bobby Tanyan is going to be the receiver of one of those touchdowns. So I'm going to go him against Detroit. Yeah. If you can predict Tanyan touchdowns, then that's where he's going to be valuable because basically outside of the top five tight ends, you have to be hoping that one of those guys catches a touchdown on a given week in order to be productive and useful. But that's kind of the status of the tight end position just overall. If you don't have elite, you're hoping on touchdowns. Mine is Gerald Everett, probably for some of the same reasons. I think they have a really good matchup with Seattle going against uh, Tennessee at home. And I think that, again, Russell Wilson likes his tight ends. He's usually super productive with them. I think Tennessee is going to focus a lot on DK Metcalf and Tyler uh, Lockett this week. So you could see a lot of Chris Carson and Gerald Everett picking up extra catches just underneath the coverage. All right, then let's go to defensive stream of the week. I have New Orleans against Carolina. I like the way they played last week. 
I think that Carolina is going to try and run the football and throw a lot to uh, Christian McCaffrey, but New Orleans has seen this twice a year for how many years, and they're usually pretty good against McCaffrey. I actually think that the, the Panthers offense was not nearly as good as it needed to be against a pretty bad Jets defense. And so I think New Orleans could very well shut down uh, Carolina this weekend. Who do you have? I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals against the Bears. I, I feel like I, all I've been doing all night long is talking again about this game. But like I said, I don't think the Bears are all that good in the passing game. I do think that David Montgomery is going to be held in check just because I think the Bengals are going to score points, and I don't think the Bears are going to be able to use their rushing attack to keep up with them. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals defense against Chicago. And Andy Dalton having a bad game against the Bengals. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough, tough right? <laughs> All right, long shots of the week. We're going to give you two of them each, but going outside the top 20, we think we'll finish inside the top 10. My first one up is T Higgins. I'm not sure why he's downgraded that low, but what out of the Chicago secondary last week did you need to see in order to get this man higher? I know he didn't have a great week one, but realistically uh, he had a really productive day and a decent fantasy output against a Vikings defense that might be stingier than Chicago. I think this is a guy that's primed for a, a big game, particularly to prove that he's not second to Jamar Chase on his own team. I am going to go with Antonio Brown. Um, Antonio Brown looked like the very old all pro, probably best receiver in the league. Antonio Brown last week um, against the Cowboys. That being said, he's playing the Falcons this week uh, with the Falcons secondary that gave up six catches of 15 or more yards, six of them. <laughs> Antonio Brown looked so quick. That one touchdown play where he had along the corner, the, it looked like he was using turbo in that the amount of separation that he just broke away with uh, towards the back end of that play. So Antonio Brown for me. My second one that I had written down here is Javante Williams against Jacksonville. I just think that he's going to be equal on the amount of carries that he had. I know that Melvin Gordon had a productive day, but it was really on a long touchdown that he ripped off at the end. I think he's the better, more productive back going against a Jacksonville defense that gave up a bunch of yards and points to the Houston running backs, uh, the likes of which probably should be out of the NFL had it not been that Houston just needed healthy bodies, essentially. So uh, give me a guy that's going to be potentially productive in a game that may not be close. I'll take Javante Williams with a lot of garbage time basically running out the clock. That's a nice one. I like it. For me, my second one, I am going to go with Mike Williams. Mike Williams had eight catches last week on 12 targets, uh, 82 yards and a touchdown. He looks, I mean, if that's going to be the way the season goes for him, huge breakout year for Mike Williams. Um, but he's playing, he's also playing against the Cowboys who got lit up by the Buccaneers, who we could tell that their def- their secondary still isn't as improved as they like it to be. So I'm going to go Mike Williams. Talents there, quarterbacks there. He's got all of the things in place and he's actually healthy. That's not a bad one. All right, so we're going to add a new segment this week just to uh, give you a little bit extra on the back end for the sake of time. I have some over-unders for the week, and we'll track these as we go along in the season. So over-under, 150 total yards for Christian McCaffrey against New Orleans. I mean, he almost touched 100 yards rushing last week and 100 yards receiving last week. Uh, So I'm going to go with the over 
on that one for Christian McCaffrey. I feel pretty confident about it too. I'm taking the under. Really? Yep. I'm that taking Saints the under. defense, you like it that much? I okay. do. I, I really do. Are you do. writing this down? Yeah, I'm writing, writing these down. down. Okay. Okay. I want to hear this for, cause I'm oh, we're going to track these. So. I, we're going to like okay, do standings good. for the course of the year. Okay, so, cool. Just a, another game between you and I. Okay. All right. So next one up I had on the list, Dak over under 45 passing attempts versus the chargers this weekend. Man, I'm going to go under. I don't see that happening unless something really bad happens and Chicago finds themselves down. I think Zeke will be a more established part of the offense this week. I just don't think there's that many possessions in a football game, so I'm going to go under. I think he had, what, 52, something like that last week, and they were right. down you know, a good portion of that game, and they threw a lot. They completely went away from Zeke. I don't see that happening again this week. 45 is a big number. I could see him yep. getting to 40, but 45 is a lot. So give me the under on that one as well. All right. Mac Jones over or under one and a half touchdowns against the Jets this weekend. And this is a good one. <laughs> I am going to take the over. I'll take the over against the Jets. No, no, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to take the under. I, I think that the defensive minded head coach, uh, the name escapes me though. Robert, right? Uh, Salah, the former yeah, 49ers yeah, said, yes, or I do think, I think he's going to make it very, very difficult on this rookie quarterback. I think he's going to throw a lot of different stuff at him, things that he hasn't seen before. Yes, he played at Alabama. Yes, he's seen a lot of stuff, but the NFL is just different. For that reason, I'm going to take the under. <sighs> I'm tempted to take the under, but for the sake of it, I'm going to take the over. Just because I think it's the Jets and I think Bill Belichick wants to set a statement. (laughs) So I I think, especially because I did not specify this could be rushing or it could be throwing. It's Uh, most likely throwing. But I I just want to make that clear that that could be. Now you made it clear. No, it's cool. It's cool. I'll I'll take the over for the sake of it, just so that we're not in agreement on everything. Uh, Finally, or no, I guess uh, number four here. Mike Evans, over under 10 fantasy points against Atlanta this weekend. Falcons are terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go the over. I think he has a touchdown. I'm going to take the over on this one as well. I, I think traditionally he's going to have a big game and I, I could see all three wide receivers having big games. I, I really don't see there being an impediment in the way that there was last week when Diggs was on him. Uh, I, I think this is a big over game for Mike Evans where he gets right and reminds you why he's Mike Evans. The last one I had down, Aaron Rodgers over under uh, quarterback 10 and a half in fantasy against Detroit this week. So this is I, for the overall position, finishing inside the top 10 or finishing outside the top 10. He finishes inside the top 10 for me. I think he has a big game against Detroit. Like I said earlier on in the show, I think he throws for three to four touchdowns um, just to kind of silence everyone and be like, all right, enough talk. Um, I did what I did. I am who I am and I'm very confident in who I am. So I'm going to go. He's inside the top 10 comfortably. I think he'll be inside the top 10 just because it's a really good matchup and some of the other ones may end up being duds. There's no way he's going to only have, what was it, 3.8 fantasy points like he did last week against Detroit at home. 
I just think that there, there are too many other possibilities and he's going to find the end zone a few times. There's no way it's going to be as bad as it was last week. I just, I feel really uneasy about betting on him right now because I'm a Packer fan and I feel like the sky is falling, but you know, Oh, well, God. Oh yeah. Anyway, thank you to all the listeners and dynasty players out there. We will be back again next week to recap week two, but until then, Uh, be safe everyone. And good luck for week two. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynasty download 10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload20. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.